0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Knox Pride podcast. I'm here with my co-host Matt. Hello James. Matt, how are you? I am
1: doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm well, doing good. good. I'm glad to hear, it, James. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got a very exciting episode for you. Um we got a little talk about the Met Gala. We got some special guests coming up for you. Uh, this might actually be a little bit of a longer episode, so buckle up, you know. Grab your juice, grab your snacks, it's gonna be a fun episode, get ready. We're gonna get into it, but before we do that, I want to remind you all that, um, we would love for you to rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. Matt, let's get into this Met Gala. Absolutely, I, I, I love the Met Gala. It is, I love seeing these stars dressed up, It is amazing. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I do want to give a little disclaimer. These are just Matt and I's opinions. Everybody looked beautiful. Everybody put a great effort into the evening. We're not trying to like crap talk anybody, but we did have some that we liked more than others. And we're going to go through a couple of those.
1: Yeah. And if you guys don't know that the theme this year was to honor Carl Lagerfeld and these
0: stars, you
1: know. Did that.
0: They so, did. They. It, I, I feel like this particular Met Gala, people really understood the assignment. Like, yeah. a lot of times people don't so much understand and there's kind of a hodgepodge of lots of different things. But they really understood this assignment this year. So let's just get into it. Who is the first star that you would like to talk about, Matt?
1: So I had on there Brian Henry. Uh, he was wearing Carl Lagerfeld. He looked like a beautiful vampire to me. Like he was Stunning. rocking
0: those ruffles. He that- looks so good. He's got. We're gonna post these pictures on our Instagram if you guys want to go and find them all in one space, so you don't have to Google them. But he's got this like, like I, there's like eight layers in this cape that he's got on. It looks like maybe it's like chiffon or something. The jewels and loved just, it. He looks so handsome. This is. This is a this is a thumbs up from me. For I, sure. I definitely
1: agree. Who was the first
0: person on your list? The first person that I really noticed. Honestly was Billie Eilish. And honestly I didn't love her look. Um, okay. She's got sort of. Um, she's got this like sheer over lacy dress. And then like a corset and a short skirt. Either over or under it. I can't tell. And the gown is beautiful. She just. Unfortunately, in the the only picture that I saw of her in the gown, she looked not very happy to be there at all. Which I don't know what was going on with her, but I just think it's all black. She had long black opera gloves on. Her hair was black, and I just think that it she, it blended. It was too much. Yeah, it blended way too much.
1: Yeah. Now, I, granted, I will go back on your comment. That's just Billy's face. Like she oh, she, just, okay. <laughs> she just always has like that stank face on. Beautiful girl. But yeah, I do agree. It, all the black was just too much and it blended too well that you couldn't really like, define yeah. what she was wearing. I,
0: I feel like if the gloves had maybe just been to the elbow and not all the way up to the shoulder, or maybe if she had like, you know, she's known a lot for like pops of color in her hair. If she had just had a little bit of one tiny bit of color somewhere, it just... It was just too dark for me. I didn't love it. Yeah, so it was it was a faux pas for me.
1: So, let's talk about my next good one. Kristen Stewart wearing Chanel looked beautiful. Daddy. Yes. <laughs> I I would call Kristen Stewart daddy.
0: Daddy, yeah.
1: She was rocking the thing. She had that that coat that came straight to her waistline. So it really like showed off the different layers she was wearing it It was, it was yeah, gorgeous. beautiful
0: white cropped coat with a black collar, black tie, sheer white shirt underneath, um, some baggy pleated trousers the The shoes are incredible black and white little loafers. The only thing that I think would have made this look a little bit better is if they hadn't also cropped the pants. If the pants were a little bit longer, I feel like the cropped pants with the cropped jacket is, it cuts her into like segments, but just. It's giving me like some MJ
1: vibes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel that too. Now you will say, I will, I love her in the short hair. It's beautiful. I think, I feel yeah, like it, it fits looks her really personality good. so well.
0: Uh So somebody that I thought just was gorgeous and blew me away was, a singer that I was not familiar with before this, but um, her name is Ava Max, uh, and she's in Christian Sierra- Christian Siriano, and it's just like this beautiful white gown with this huge tool train, so much tool, and then this like overlay on the top that's beated. off the shoulder, beaded to the gods... It's- um and then just like white hair that matches the dress, red lips she just looks gorgeous it was beautiful i
1: it it's almost like give me like some elsa vibes she was she was rocking that pure white everything it was it was super pretty i i didn't honestly didn't know who really who she was either i know she's a a pop singer, but i'm gonna definitely gonna spotify her yeah she 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 killed it. All right. So, James, my next one you're not a fan of. <laughs> um, and I let let me just preface this by saying that my guilty pleasure is The Kardashians. Yes. I've watched them from the moment it aired on E in 2007 up until now watching it on Hulu and I'm obsessed. Kim Kardashian nailed this look for me. She is wearing these jewels literally from head to toe and wearing this long, beautiful, like cream colored jacket. She got her Kim little skims on right now. I thought she looked so pretty. Um, her makeup was always flawless and I I thought she just was
0: a, a knockout for she me. She looks her face is beautiful. Her hair is beautiful but she's wearing I'm probably going to say this wrong Shia Pirelli haute couture and I think that it's it's Layers and layers and layers of like pearls, and I think it's gorgeous. But underneath it, she's got what I think looks like it's spanks. It's spanks, and it's not, it's not, it's a, it's a, such a different. I almost wish that either she was wearing spanks that were her skin tone, so that it was a nude illusion, or yeah. she was wearing like a a very like thin white gown underneath all of the layers and of pearls. Um, I absolutely love the long train jacket that she's wearing. Beautiful. But I just, I feel like the middle part of her, that spandex spanks that she's wearing, I'm just not a fan of.
1: I will say the necklace is a little gaudy. I feel like it's a little, it, after wearing all of these jewels, it made it look a little busy. But I feel like the necklace just didn't go with it. But other than that, it, it's a 10 out of 10 for me.
0: All right. So. I did want to talk about Pedro Pascal's look. Um, he looked so <sighs> handsome. Beautiful. Her, I mean, me and the re- us and the rest of the world, we're all in love with Pedro Pascal right now. Yeah, And it's a great look. He's got a long red trench on, black short shorts, a red shirt with a black tie, black mid-calf boots with some socks sticking out of the top, And the thing that the thing that I love the most about this outfit is that it's all Valentino and Valentino uh, was I mean, I guess you would consider him a a rival of Carl Lagerfeld um, and a competitor in the fashion industry. And I'm not sure why they picked Carl Lagerfeld to honor in the first place. He has a long history of being homophobic, racist, fat phobic. And this was sort of Pedro Pascal's F.U. to Karl Lagerfeld because it's all Valentino and there are pictures of him flipping off the camera. And when you zoom in, he's got the Valentino V on his nails. And so he just got even sexier to me because he stood up and he was like, why are we honoring this guy? But he did it quietly and subtly, you know?
1: Yeah, I I think he looks beautiful in red. Uh, yeah. and, the, and then the whole statement, it just ties it together. You know what gets me about him is that freaking smile of his. It <gasps> melts <to laughs> my so heart. Much. I just can't like not much. look at him and like not smile. And it's ugh. Oh, just a gorgeous creature he is. And I, I'm very envious. Now, one of my least favorite looks was Aurora James. She was wearing Bode, I think it's how you pronounce it, Bode.
0: Bode, Bode, I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: The woman is gorgeous. I'll just say that. But the dress, it looks like Laura Ingall from <laughs> from Little House on the Prairie. You're right. We I'm not sure this who this herself. is. And I forgot I to look either. up who,
0: who this was. But, yes, it's giving... It's So it's like a, a yellow gown, some stripes, and also some florals on it. And then she's got a yellow blazer over it. It's giving very much like guest bedroom at the White House wallpaper to me. I was going to say the curtains... It, yeah, it looks uh, like curtains curtains at the at the White House. <laughs> it,
1: if you look at the top like where her uh, her breast are, it's it looks like it's it's got like these little balls hanging off of it. It looks like it's a top yeah, of like drapes.
0: I feel like if this was like a cute little like romper or something, it would work, but it doesn't work as a gown for me at all. No. I'm not I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I, no. I Sorry I seen Aurora, that. you're gorgeous though. Yeah, it was just not not working for me. So Matt, who was your least favorite? Like you just didn't understand it, you didn't get it.
1: I, we're going to have very conflicting views on this. I know. <laughs> we already discussed this. So it's it was Janelle Monet. They I just didn't understand. I didn't understand it everything was very oversized. It
0: that was the point. <laughs> no, it I think those shoes are so on trend right now. I love how big the shoes are. The shoes are gorgeous. Did you see the reveal? There was like a reveal of this. or Or did you just see? So when they got to the point where they sort of stop and everyone's taking pictures, they had somebody remove the top, like the coat, and then the skirt sort of unraveled. And then it revealed like a very, a really cute like... Sort of cabaret style under corset. Okay, and and the bones of the hoop skirt that they are wearing, I loved it. But now it's all see, right. <laughs> now see,
1: if I would see the deconstructed look, I'm sure they look amazing wearing this. I just think,
0: yeah, the it, initial look is very heavy.
1: Yeah, it, it's almost igloo Eskimo to me. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's so poofy, but. Other than that, I love Janelle Monet. fabulous actress. Incredible. This fabulous singer, and I'm I'm
0: obsessed. Do you want to know who my least favorite was? Yeah. (laughs) It hurts because I really enjoy this person a lot, but I, Florence Pugh wore Valentino, and I didn't understand any of it. It, Like, so let me try to describe what they're wearing. It's like a long gown, long white gown with a long train, But the cut of the top of it is really weird. It kind of looks like she's got two maxi pads taped to her (laughs) chest. Um, And then she's got this headpiece that just has these tall black feathers sticking straight up. I don't... It's ridiculous, but not in a fun way at all. I feel like she got to wherever the Met Gala is and... Her maybe like her suitcase didn't arrive and she had to figure out what to wear just based out of the things in her fancy hotel room. It looks like she's wearing the comforter and maybe the centerpiece from a table. <laughs> I, just, I, <laughs> I, I don't understand
1: the black fabric in the middle. That of, just, the,
0: of the maxi pads? I, I, don't, I don't
1: understand it. And then, then the headpiece looks like
0: she is a showgirl at like the Golden Nugget. But, anyway. but like not even that good (laughs) she's a backup backup golden yeah it's like when i saw it i thought this looks like the episode of project runway where they have to use like their surroundings to make a dress and this was definitely the one that went home i just wasn't a fan of it but you know (laughs) beautiful florence though but i just
1: did she recently cut off all her hair
0: Cause oh, yeah, s- she she did cut her hair into a, a short bob.
1: I loved it. Like it it is beautiful. I love the way that looks.
0: Tell me who your favorite was, Matt. Jessica Chastain in Gucci. She looked gorgeous.
1: I loved it. I love that it was like this lace uh top uh over her breast, and then like it had like this almost like a nightgown feel to it. It was very flowy. It had like a uh, the the top of the dress really kind of ended like probably like mid thigh and then it kind of draped a little bit more and I thought she looked beautiful. She's wearing those gloves up to her elbows it it was her
0: alabaster skin is just so great against that black that sheer black the only the only thing that I think would make this better. I prefer Jessica as a redhead honestly over a blonde. She was almost unrecognizable for me. Yeah, I didn't realize that who it was at f- who it was at first either.
1: But yeah, I thought that because it, it reminds me of one of those, like, you know, the, those burlesque robes that are like super fluffy, like that at the bottom. It just reminded me of like that. Like a Catherine Delish robe. I've always wanted one, just to, like, you know, do the dishes, walk down the street, get the mail, something. And it,
0: it, We're going to make that happen for you. <laughs> it,
1: is, it made me fall in love with Jessica Chastain all over again. Now, James, your favorite look was also my.
0: Other favorite look, <laughs> but
1: I will let you have it because you chose it. I mean, first. I feel like
0: there's no. Everybody looked great, but there was no competition for the best look of the night. It is hands down Doja Cat and Oscar De La Renta. Like, if you just look, took it. So so she's got this gorgeous backless mermaid gown on, but the the mermaid skirt goes into this train, this tool train. It's white. It's sparkly. From the neck down, it is incredible. Would have stopped the whole night. And then... The face. And, and then on top of it, she added this very... I'm not sure if it's vintage or vintage-inspired, but she wore this cat hood, this white yeah. cat hood that's got jewels all over it. And she has put a prosthetic on her face to make her look more cat-like. Yeah. And... She just looks stunning. And for the rest of my life, I'm just going to imagine that Doja Cat is an actual cat. I hope she is. She, It's just so beautiful. And it's like, it is the perfect blend of camp and glam. Yeah, Like, you cannot tell me that she was not the most beautiful person who walked this red carpet. You're right. But also, she's got a cat face on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's just so, it's so incredible.
1: Yeah, Doja Cat, Miss Darisha Kitty, you <laughs> Darisha, okay, are... <laughs> Miss <laughs> Darisha you just nailed it. Like that was my best look of the night, and I I noticed that a lot of other celebrities were dressed as cats or am... something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah,
0: I don't know how that relates to Karl Lagerfeld. I don't but either. I guess he liked cats a lot. It, uh, what's his name? Jared Leto. Yeah, was full cat, which I thought was so weird, but.
1: Now he did change,
0: and what he wore afterwards was
1: very, to me, it it kind of reminded me of what was his role with that Marvel film. What movie was that? And um, when he was a vampire,
0: you know that I'm
1: not I'm asking into the wrong question. into the comic Morbius. Community. Thank thank you, JD. It was Morbius. It gave me a very Morbius vibe to it. It it was okay, but he lost me at the
0: whole cat thing, and then little X. <laughs> that. Boy, (laughs) I love him, and I love him being him. But I feel like if I had seen him in that outfit, I would have been terrified. It it just it it I was shook. Let me tell you, I was shook
1: whenever I was looking at all these photos, and I've seen it on TikTok and seen it on like Instagram and stuff like that. But when I finally got to see his red carpet look, I was. It was the most Ugh, I, it I, was
0: like a glittery sleep paralysis demon. I I just it was too weird.
1: Yeah. It 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 wasn't for me. I I applaud him. Little Nas X, you are changing the game for gay folks uh in the in the community, but um it just wasn't working for us.
0: All right. Matt, I think it's time that we get into these juicy interviews that we have prepared for this episode. Yeah,
1: th- interviewing our next guest, they it was absolutely amazing.
0: So our first guest in this episode is Virgil Voiles. And Virgil was recently named Youth Poet Laureate of Knoxville, of all of Knoxville. Uh, and so we sat down with them, we learned what that meant what that honor was what went into receiving that honor and they also read the one of the two poems that they wrote and read that acquired them this honor so
1: i hope you guys enjoy us speaking with virgil and i hope you get
0: to know them like we did virgil welcome to the podcast Hello. We're so happy to have you. We're really excited to have you. You are the first youth that we've had um, on our podcast. I'm so special. <laughs> yes, you are the the shining star. Woohoo! And you have recently been named Knoxville's Youth Poet Laureate. Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you. Can we get a round of applause? Sound effect. JD. Yay! <laughs> so we're gonna. that's so long yeah (laughs) don't edit that out (laughs) um so we're gonna get more into what um being youth poet laureate means and things like that but uh the first question i have for you is how long have you been writing you're 16 right yes i'm 16 and when did you start writing
2: okay i've been writing like stories for my entire life like i have this little like notepad from when i was ish that has the first ever story I ever wrote that's about my sister coming to visit and it's really cute it's terribly drawn I want to read it it's <laughs> so cute um, oh, I'd like
0: to see that please <laughs> Yeah,
2: it's somewhere in my house But so
0: as long as you can remember huh you've yeah. just always been a writer that's incredible but I,
2: I started like poetry specifically in very early 2021 because I took a creative writing class and we did poetry and I loved it so much
0: like you took a creative writing class at school or, <laughs> okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't, th- I, they didn't offer that kind of thing at my school. I think we had one, but it was, I don't know. I don't think it was like a popular
1: thing, quote unquote, but like, it's always found like English class or literature class, like really fascinating. Cause all of like, we got to read like, you know, all of like the books throughout history and stuff like that. And then like my teacher would let us watch it um, oh, uh, because of the book. Stephen King, yeah, because yeah. Stephen King, and so we we spent a whole week watching this movie because obviously it's like eighteen hours long, so <laughs> we
0: had to break it up. But it, I used to love, I used to love th- those classes like there were so much. Fun. I enjoyed English a lot, but we didn't. My school was a very math and science school, math and science and football. So, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, the, all of that.
1: I mean,
0: I love math. I'm I'm a nerd, I guess, but I I love math.
2: What's funny about me is that I am so bad at writing essays. Like, so bad. like. But poetry just comes,
0: like, natural
1: to you? Do you think
2: it
0: has something to do with, like, having to write something that someone else tells you to write versus what you yourself want to write? I
2: have no idea. But if... And I've always been like this. If you ask me a question, like a prompt for an essay, and you tell me to just talk to you, I will talk to you for, like, an hour. But if you tell me to write it, I'll write you one paragraph. (laughs) I don't know why. I've always been like that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Yeah. But then I can write pages I have like a five page poem about one thing. So I don't know why my brain does the things it does.
0: <laughs> I have tons of things that I started to write mm-hmm. that I never finished. I don't know if I've ever actually finished anything I started to write. <laughs> I feel like sometimes like I'll like there's some like poems I guess
1: you say like in my notes on my phone because it just like randomly came to me one day I'm like oh I like that and it it always happens like when something like profound happens in my life like whether it's good or bad like it would just come to me and I wrote it down I was like oh this is cute but I'm like I would never let someone else read what I wrote because I'm like very self conscious about it but I don't know thanks for my TED talk (laughs) (laughs) now I want to read what you wrote Uh, (laughs) maybe one day So, Virgil, besides uh, writing poetry, what are some of your other interests?
2: I like everything that has to do with art, ever. Like, ever. Drawing,
1: painting? Yes.
2: Drawing, painting, music, movies, writing, any, any of them. I play two instruments. I play guitar and ukulele, and I write songs, and I sing. I did choir for, like, five years, and I'm in the musical, and I act. I was in the play at my school this year. And I draw and I just finished a painting today for my AP Lit class, which is weird that we did painting in English, but it's for extra credit. Um, And I've taken art classes since freshman year. Yeah, all of them.
1: So just back to (laughs)
0: back, like just talents is coming out. Talent everywhere. (laughs) Well-rounded. When I was 16, I was like writing band lyrics on my jeans. I wasn't doing any anything even close I mean, to I that. Do, I end. do that, too. I mean, I guess I did, like, theater and stuff like that, too. But I yeah. wanted to... You just did The Crucible, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Who did you play?
2: I played John Willard, which is the tiniest role. <laughs> He's the marshal.
0: I love it, though. I wanted to come see you. It didn't work out, but I did want to come see you in that for sure. I'm just, like, blown away by how much you do. It makes me feel like I need to reevaluate <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, never, I
1: was never so artistic, like, growing up, like, I would doodle, but that was really about it. But I was, again, just a total nerd. And it was I was either reading or doing, I don't know, joining math club and, like, doing stuff like that. Were you, were you I, I, in math club? I was. Oh, my. A mathlete? I was, uh,
0: yeah. I don't it's not appropriate for me to talk about what I was doing when I was 16 years old right now. So <laughs> Not in front of we'll a child, <laughs> we'll James. We'll just move on. <laughs> um, so tell us what the process was like becoming Knoxville's Youth Poet Laureate.
2: So it all started, I wrote this poem called 91 Miles that I loved. It's my uh, pre-mentioned like five-page poem. And I, I was very proud of it and I loved it very much. And I went to my creative writing teacher, her name is Ms. Anofsky, she's a very big mentor person in my life and I said hey I wrote this I really want to submit it somewhere will you help me look for different competitions and contests to submit it to and we sat down and we found the this competition together and I submitted like the day submissions were due because I had only found out like five days prior and I procrastinated because I do that and I submitted it like at nine o'clock the day it was due and I I did it Really realize like how big of a deal it was until I'd looked more into it after I'd submitted, it, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> like this, this is a thing. And
0: then you were like, No going back now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and after a month or a month and a half, I got an email that said that I'd made it to the semifinals and I was in class and I stood up and jumped around, and all my friends gave me weird looks.
1: Oh, absolutely. I would have done the I same would, yeah, thing. Like, I would have done a cartwheel if but, I yeah, knew yeah, how. <laughs>
0: not the weird looks, but I would have got so excited. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. What? How many people were in the semifinals?
2: Well, that's the thing. I expected it to be like six, ten, fifteen. There was three of us.
0: Oh, so it was like yeah. Not really the semifinals. It was like the final final. Right. There were supposed
2: to be four of us, and one of the girls didn't show up. And so there was three of us, and it was a Zoom meeting, and it was me and the two other girls and Rhea Carmen, which is who runs the entire program and is the current um, poet laureate for Knoxville, who's amazing, by the way. And I got there, and yeah, it was me and two other girls, and I was just like, oh my God. Oh, and like freaked out. But it was, it was a lot more like... Semi-formal than I thought it was going to be. Because we all just kind of like talked and joked yeah. around. And then we all went through. And we read our poems. when went out of time. And then we read our second poems. Because we had, uh, we read two that we had already submitted. Yeah. And then that was it. And she was like, okay, I'll get back to you guys in a couple weeks. And a couple weeks later, she emailed us and said, we were supposed to narrow it down to two. We had a tie. So you guys are all three going on to the finals. Which was crazy. Yeah. The other two girls were very good. They're very good. Um, and then we went to the finals, which was like in person in front of a crowd at Central Cinema, which was awesome because I just love Central Cinema. It's such a cool place. Shout out Central Cinema. Um, I do love Central Cinema.
0: Quite a bit yeah. as well. James that's James' favorite where, place. That's where Queer Cinema Club started, actually.
2: <laughs> and so we got to perform in front of a crowd. It was they had an open mic night for poetry, and then we went, and then Black Atticus went who is a poet around Knoxville. Um, and it was mortifying, but also very fun because I'd never gotten to read in front of a crowd before. And it was very, it was a very unique experience to have a crowd like, mm, yes, preach it back at me I love because that. they did I and It made me so happy.
0: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember James showing me the video of you reading your poem. And from the moment it started, literally had chills all over my body. And I seen those people like reacting to you reading your poem. And I was like, this is like like what I've seen in like early 90s shows where they're like snapping and like stuff like that. And I'm like, this is like this was like fulfilling my fantasy right here watching like, this.
0: Like poetry night at Central Park. Is yeah. That what you're saying? Something like
1: that. Or like Sabrina the teenage witch, she's at yeah. a coffee shop, you know? But like it no, it was truly Amazing watching you read this poem, and it from the time it Jane showed me, I was like, Yeah, just
0: literally chills. All well, over Matt, body. maybe you should read your poetry somewhere yes. sometime. No, I'll, I'll <laughs> read it to myself in the mirror. I might read it and to you, and also snap and yes, queen yourself. I do that, all, I, I
1: already do that all the time to myself, but um. But no, I think I thought it was beautiful.
2: Thank you. So that's such a a big compliment. I loved reading that poem because of the audience's reaction. Like I was I was so glad that they were not just dead silent. Like I was scared they were going to be. Yeah, it was it was really scary. There's this there's this one part where my hands were shaking so bad. Like I couldn't read my paper and I kind of like mess up and I was just shaking so bad because I was like, oh, God, because I have terrible stage fright. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It I'm was, with you. Yeah. yeah,
0: I hate talking in front of crowds. Yeah, I can like talk to my
1: <laughs> friends. No, you, you literally are an MC, so I don't want to hear that. But like, literally, I can't, like, I can talk to my friends, but you put me in front of people like more than 10. No, I'm, I'm deer in the headlights right now.
2: Yeah, it was very nerve wracking, but I got through it and I was, I, yeah. Did it they announce, like, the winners that night? They did not. That, so finals was the 27th, which was a Thursday. And then Sunday, the 29th, we went to the rec center mm-hmm. over here downtown. And they announced it. And we all read a poem. And it was also another open night, mic night for youths. And then after everyone went, she announced the winners. And that was amazing. I was so excited. I kicked my knee on the table so hard. And so there's the video of me going like, yes, I got (laughs) up.
1: (laughs) So with now being Knoxville's um, Youth Poet Laureate, what are some of the responsibilities or fun things that come with the honor?
2: There's a lot of very fun things. Like, for instance... The day that I found out that I won, I also found out that there was a cash prize, which no one told me about.
0: That's an extra bonus.
2: Yeah, which was a fun little surprise for me. Right. Are
0: you allowed to tell us what the cash bonus was?
2: That's, it's inappropriate to talk about money. Okay. <laughs> it was at least $5.
0: dollars we we'll say the that. 16 year old being the 16-year-old <laughs> resp- being the voice of reason here. All right, yeah. you're right.
2: But one thing that I'm, there's a few things i'm very excited about i get to do a lot of community work and so Raya carmen told talked to me and she said that i get to choose an area of focus that i want to work with and a part of the community and i really want to try to form a um a writing group for the youth of the pride center and the pride community yeah because i think that there are a lot of people my age who are like me who have a lot of things to say and maybe not the chance to say them. Um and I really want to work with um the youths of the the Pride community and get like a workshop together. Um and we've talked about that and are kind of planning to do that.
0: I love that. Yeah yeah. that would be really cool. (laughs) That's definitely something you could do here too for Mm -hmm. sure.
2: And uh I was on the phone with Ray Carmen a couple days ago, a week or so ago. And at the end of the conversation, she just kind of, like, tacked this on as a little, like, oh, by the way, she was like, "Um, start compiling about 45 pages for uh, your book. And I said, my book? She said, yeah, you're going to publish a book of your poems. (laughs) (laughs) And I hung up the phone and instantly sobbed because I was like, I get to do, I, like, lost it. And I cried because I was so so excited. It was such, like, a... I did it, and I made it. Moment, like I was freaking out, and I went downstairs. My parents was like, "Guys, I get to write a book, and I'm so excited, and like I feel so lucky." And I can't
0: wait to read it. I know.
2: I'm I'm ecstatic, to say the least.
0: Do you want to continue to write, like for a career, or is it what you want to do when you go to when you go to college?
2: Not in particular. I would. I mean, I would love to do it if happens but my current plan is I really want to go into art restoration and preservation for museums and things like that so I want to go get uh, an art history degree or just some sort of fine arts and work with museums to help preserve different art things because that is definitely my type of thing I love history and I love art and I also really like cleaning things for some reason So it's a really good mix for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Just the complete
1: opposite of James and I whenever we (laughs) were your age. So hats off to you for
0: wanting to do that.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm
3: a cool kid. Yeah.
0: It's been a long time since I was a teenager. I can't even do the math. 1998 was the year that I turned 18. So however many years that is, that's how long it's been since I was a teenager. I can't do math. I don't so that know. That was like
1: twenty-seven years ago.
0: Is that right? Yeah, because you're <laughs> 40. twenty-five. Y- twenty-five. JD is 25. laughing, laughing 25. at our math. Twenty-five years. That sounds. That sounds right. Yeah. I'm again, so again, the sixteen-year-old knew the answer. <laughs> no, my mom did. She showed me. Oh. The other hands. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that your mom came with you. Um... The audience doesn't know this, but I've known your mother Danielle for quite some time. We opened The Hot Topic in West Town Mall together. Stop it. Yeah, that's, that's I hot. love that. Yeah. yeah. Um so I'm going to get a little bit more serious mm-hmm. with this interview because we have to in this climate, you know, yeah. we have to talk about the important stuff. So, what is it like like honestly like to be a teenager in high school in Tennessee right now?
2: It is mortifying. It is absolutely terrifying because there's just so m- much badness happening especially you know with all the school shootings and so much like discrimination against everything that i am and um like a bunch of my my closest friends go to west and a couple weeks ago i don't know if you saw it about saw it in the news they got dismissed halfway through the day because someone had brought a gun to school and it went off in their backpack. And like, oh, like um, grazed someone. Grazed one of the teachers.
0: Yeah, Matt's kid actually goes to yeah, West. So
1: uh, my we we were watching. Second youngest goes to West High School, and um, he didn't even know what was going on until after they already got dismissed. Until yeah. it, until it broke the news because apparently the the police had to break the news, not the school. So it was it's scary and to to think about, you know, you know, obviously yourself being in school and having to worry about that. But, you know, that wasn't something we had to worry about really
0: when I was in school. And now it's like something that happens yeah. too often. It's I there was somebody who brought a gun to school in my high school in the late nineties. But it was It wasn't common at all, you know. I think I maybe was a senior when Columbine happened. Oh, yeah. And that was sort of like the the beginning of all of it.
2: Yeah, and one of my best friends, she doesn't live in Knoxville, but she lives out by Cookville. She recently told me that when she was in eighth grade, a kid brought a hit list to her school that had, like, her friends on it, and they found out the day that like he got sent home and suspended. And I was like, like she didn't tell us this for years. Cause she's like, I just did not want to talk about that. And like, there are just so many things like recently at Hardin Valley high school, they had a gas leak because someone turned on the gas into the school and they didn't dismiss them for like two thirds of the day. And there's just so many things that are just like crazy to think about that happened. But we
0: should be protecting the kids from the drag Queens. Exactly. Yeah that that that's our focus
1: right now is is that but yet there is what over 190 mass shootings so far since the beginning of this year and our government is focused on letting the youth see a drag queen yeah. or drag king perform
0: it's 190 mass shootings 131 of those resulted in four or more people wounded or dead And we've only had 129 days as of today in 2023. So we've had more mass shootings than we have had days of the year, which is terrifying. Virgil, what would you like to say to people around your age who might feel a little lost or helpless right now?
2: It's one of those things where everything seems terrible and I myself find me having days. I'm just like, it's doomed. We're doomed. We're going into dystopian ages but I try to remind myself that there are people out there who are trying to help, and there are people who want to fix things and help students and help me and people like me. And one thing that really gave me hope was um, the day that the, the senators got expelled and there was, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people outside the Capitol rooting for them and they stayed there for like 12 hours trying to support them and it was, it was very inspiring to see a, a physical group of people who are trying to help and fix things in the many that are working against everything actively. And it's just, you gotta look at the whole picture and not just the negative, even if it is nearly impossible sometimes.
0: That's very That's very good advice. Yeah. I recently watched footage of Representative Zoe Zephyr return to the hometown that she represents. This was after them kicking her out and making her sit on a bench and do her work outside of the courtroom or the Senate room. I'm so new to politics, you guys. But um, there were just like thousands of people to greet her with open arms and... It is those things that make like if I ever feel sad, I'm just like, let me just Google like people being supportive or, yeah. you know, like that's. So with with all this, you know, with
1: with everything, with our legislator going on and with all the bans when it comes to drag and when it comes to uh, trans kids, you know, what would you like to tell lawmakers from your perspective?
2: It is just a simple fact it is not an opinion it is a fact that everything that they are doing all these laws and these opinions that they're putting out and getting into people's brains it will harm me and or the people around me it just will it already has when they came out with the drag ban all of my friends were freaking out because i have a lot of trans friends who were terrified to go to prom cuz they were like, I'm going to be seen as being in drag and I'm going to get assaulted or kicked out or suspended. And we were all freaking out because we were we didn't know what to do. It Instantly, it already has an effect. And it is, I think, um, a representative from Iowa said it best that these laws, they are going to kill children. It just, it will. Things like this are going to lead to a higher suicide rate in trans and gay youths, it's a fact. And I just, it boggles my mind that they're just so ignorant and don't see it. Like, I don't understand how these people who are supposed to be the ones protecting us and the adults in the room are just actively trying to hurt people and hurt children and the people that they're supposed to be protecting. It's crazy. like.
1: I I totally get it. Like it's 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 crazy that the grown adults that are running our country are acting more like children than the children themselves when they are acting more grown up than the adults. Like it's, it it baffles me that they would do these things to kids. You know, like th- that's the thing that scares me is that these kids are our future, but they're trying to tie these kids down so they can't do anything yeah and that's the scary part is like they're trying to basically just just rule the world until every everyone's dead
0: well it's not gonna happen because they definitely are messing with the wrong group of so people they for are sure. playing
2: with fire <laughs> oh boy
0: yeah and we don't really as as the adults in the room we don't really have any answers either and we don't really know why it's happening either but we are fighting as yeah. hard as we can yeah. Well, Virgil, we really appreciate you being on the podcast this week, and we really loved having you here.
1: Yes, it, you. it was a pleasure to meet you. Um, again, your your poems are beautiful, and I would just really appreciate uh, you being here today.
2: Thank you so much. I'm very privileged to be here.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Before we let you go, I would love for you to read one of the poems that got you in this position that you are now in.
2: Of course. A day in the life of a student in Tennessee. I am 16 years old. Today, I sat in class. I sat in class with a million thoughts in my head. A million angers. A million worries. And people tell me, these are the best years of your life. And what do you have to be so worried about? You're so young. But how can these be the best years of my life when I'm not safe? I walk down the road hoping that someone doesn't attack me. I hope And I pray that some morally wrong person doesn't look at me and think, look at that queer, they don't deserve to live. I hope that the man walking ten steps behind me just happens to be going the same way as me. His step is heavy and his looming figure is dark as I tighten my grip on my keys. I am not safe walking down the road. How can these be the best years of my life when I am scared to go to school? I get looks in the hall from my classmates. They stare at my bright hair and my loud clothes and they think they are different so we must destroy it because that is what people do. They take what is different, and they bend it, and they mold it, and they shape it until it isn't what it used to be. I'm not what I used to be. I want back who I used to be. How can these be the best years of my life when I have an escape plan in my head? There have been 21 school shootings this year. There have been 74 people injured or killed this year in school. If they are by the gym, I should be able to go through the window. But if they're on this side of the school, I will have to go into the closet. It is six-inch thick wood. I will be safe, right? The teachers told us that I would be safe, right? Was that their last thought? The little bodies squished together in a dark closet, holding each other while crying. What were they thinking as they heard the slow footsteps make their way down the hall? The teacher told us that I would be safe open the door, step into the room. Did they stay silent as they opened the closet door? Did they cry out for help? Did they beg for their mothers and fathers? How can you say you stand for student safety but do nothing to control the number of kids who are brutally murdered in their class? They were still learning their ABCs. They were still learning how to count to 50. They were still learning how to read. They had recess to look forward to. They had a family to go home to. They had a warm hug and a meal waiting for them. They had an entire life in front of them and yet you do nothing but send prayers But send your condolences, but send your sympathy. They do not need sympathy. They need their children back. Do you not see? Are you that blind? Are you that ignorant? Why are we being left for dead? I am alive. I am here. I need protection. I deserve to not have an escape plan, to not be afraid to go to school. I deserve to be safe. Why have we been abandoned? Why have we been left on the side of the road? Why won't you help us? Can't you hear us yelling? Can't you see us waving our arms around? If I get killed on the street? Or at school, or at the mall, or at a park, drop my body on the stairs of the Capitol so they will see the blood they are spilling.
0: What an incredible youth that Virgil is! I still have chills, James. I can't imagine being that that vocal, yeah, and and that talented <laughs> at that age. Like I, I had started. Sort of started to come out of my shell at that point, but not like that. And I can't believe that that was their first interview that they've done, not only since they won Youth Poet Laureate, but at all. I think that was their first interview that they'd ever done.
1: I honestly feel honored to have them on the show. And we I've,
0: had It's like an exclusive. It
1: was. I feel like I'm like on the E! channel or something.
0: It was incredible.
1: Now, before we get into our next interview, we do want to let you guys know that we did unlock direct listener support and that link will be in the show notes so if you can donate a dollar a month two dollars a month anything that you can provide to us will greatly
0: help it will go right back into the podcast and new adventures between matt and i for you guys to be entertained by
1: and so our next guest is winter they work with appalachian outreach and i was super excited to uh get to Interview them along with you, James, and Winter is an uh, amazing person.
0: I did not know Winter beforehand, and it was really nice to get to, to know them. So we hope that you all enjoy this interview. Winter, we are super
1: excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome.
3: I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time coming for you to be a guest on the podcast. So we're just super excited to have you here.
0: We also, uh, this is sort of more like a youth podcast. We're very excited. We haven't had younger people on the podcast yet. It's just been us old fogies so far. I shouldn't say that about our past guests, but... But, I mean, you're keeping us young, so that's all that matters.
3: I'm 24. Is that considered youth? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess I am
1: then. when,
0: When you get to 42... I consider Matt youth still. <laughs> if you haven't hit 30 yet, you are youth to me. I have two months, so let's not well, get ahead of ourselves. Then, then you'll really know what's up.
1: Anyways, uh, Winter, how was it growing up queer in Gatlinburg?
3: So I might not be the best person to answer that question because I didn't have to deal with a lot of like the social stigma that was attached to like being queer.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, because I wasn't like out or really knew that I was queer growing Mm up um that was something that happened later in life that a discovery that I made through just my experiences and and what I learned by being exposed to things that I had never seen or, or heard before um when I was younger I really didn't know any like gay or trans or lesbians like I didn't know anybody that was in the queer community and um I just didn't have any exposure or any access to information of of, what what being queer was. Um, Of course I was still queer, even though I had no idea what it was. Right, Um, Like I was binding before I knew what binding was like I'm trans. I should probably preface by saying that, but (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't know that there was like, products that you could buy and like companies that their mission was to like help people do that safely so I was like doing a DIY version of it and just like assuming that I was the only person in the world that ever did that yeah and um finding out that like trans people exist and like that's a thing was like a whole realization for me that didn't happen until like my 20s which I'm only 24 now so it hasn't been a very long time yeah
1: I mean some people are late bloomers you know they don't really know who they are or what you know, quote unquote category they fall into until they kinda
0: have that aha moment and it just kinda comes to them, you know? Sometimes it doesn't happen until you're like in your fifties or sixties. It's it's such an interesting spectrum of of ages of people discovering yeah. who they are for sure. Who were who were sort of like the first queer people that you remember seeing in media and like giving you any sort of like influence and things like that.
3: Hold on, I wrote this down. (laughs) So like I said, this is all kind of relatively new to me. I mean, not like new, like I learned things yesterday, but like within the past few years. um, So I think I have a good mix of like influencers here. And so who I have is Janelle Monae, uh, Harvey Milk, Lil Nas X, Billy Porter, and then just the entire cast of Netflix's Queer Eye. Especially <laughs> Jonathan Van Ness. Um, shout out to all of them. They're having a new season come out on Friday. Nice. Uh and then Billy Jean King.
0: That's a good list. Yeah, that is a like there's a lot of different tropes, different types of people on that list. That's yeah. really That's a good one. I was influenced by Little X when I was younger too. Just kidding. You know,
1: he's <laughs> only been like out on the scene for a few years now. So, I mean, I guess you're still
3: young. I I think him and I were coming up at the same time. So like we had that in common.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's good though. Like, you know, you, you can, you know, attach yourself to someone that's, you know, maybe not be in your area or a celebrity that will, you know, kind of help you awaken something inside of you to, you know, kind of like realize, you know, I don't, I don't fit in this box that, Society should hold me in. Yeah. Um, but Queer Eye, Jonathan Van that is my boo. I love Jonathan Van so much.
0: Unpopular opinion. I think there could be more diversity in the Queer Eye cast. I would like to see some fat representation there. And maybe, I mean, I know that Jonathan Van is Envy, but maybe like a little bit more trans Envy representation. But it's a good show and they do good things. Yeah.
3: I agree with you.
1: I've only known you for a little bit of time now, but I always wanted to know, like, what made you want to organize the severe LGBTQIA group that I've recently heard about?
3: I also wrote that one down. But the only thing I wrote was spite. Okay. <laughs> that sometimes that
0: is all you need. <laughs>
3: no, no, I think that's a perfect answer. <laughs> so um, it was like the height of the pandemic. Um, I was laid off from my job. So I was spending like an ungodly amount of time on social media and just like consuming news and just like doom scrolling and yeah,
1: like doing, all of us were yeah,
3: and do just what everybody was doing. Um, and we have these these Facebook pages that are cal- called like Sperry County Speaks Out. All these county pages, people just go on and share information about the county and you know local businesses and whatever they feel the need to share, but. There's also some, like, crazy, like, QAnon conspiracy people that would get on there and just spew all this, like, crazy, like, anti-vax, like, just insane stuff. Yeah. And uh, there was one same-sex couple that was looking for a photographer for their wedding. Mm -hmm. And they posted on one of those pages and asked for recommendations and just, like, the hate that I was seeing in the comments of, like, people telling them that they were an abomination they were like gonna be damned to hell and just all this horrible stuff I thought well, surely not everybody in my county not all my neighbors are like that right so um I just I mean I didn't think anything of it it, it was just like I had been admins on other Facebook pages before so I was like well I'll just make a Facebook group maybe me and 10 friends will join yeah and then it was like couple days went by and I was like oh there's 500 people on here wow and then you know in a couple of weeks it was like nearly a thousand and I thought I'd, I did not expect this and at that point I felt like I had a re- sense of responsibility to like yeah continue it and try to sustain that momentum and just like seeing because we weren't socializing like in person yet because it was still like mm-hmm. pandemic times There was no vaccines or anything. So we would do like watch parties and just kind of introduce ourselves and just share memes and stuff back and forth. And it it was nice. Um, But in the spring of 2021, after a lot of us got vaccinated, we're like, we need to see each other. We need to be together in person. And there's like a dozen people showed up. And we were all like really socially awkward because we were super rusty from not seeing people for a long time. Right. (laughs) And uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. We we kept coming back and, and getting together and more people would show up and we would do different things. And um, it just it just grew. And I thought, well, I just I can't abandon this community. I feel like. Yeah. I was learning things about myself by being around people who were teaching me. And it was as much for me as it was for other people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it kind of goes along with what you were saying earlier, like not all your neighbors can be bad and obviously a thousand plus people you know in severe county were had the same mentality as you did that like you know the lgbtqia community should be represented more in a town that is you know known for you know being hateful or not being inclusive of our community so but
0: it sounds to me like Sevier county is gay as hell right <laughs> it,
1: we're trying
3: we're trying to make it as gay as possible
1: i love that yeah that's awesome yeah because you were here at the market that we had this past sunday and uh, there was a um petition that you that uh you all were signing or getting people to sign for. And I thought that was absolutely great. I absolutely love that.
3: Do we have time to talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely.
3: So what we're petitioning is, um, we have a a proclamation that we've drafted and we submitted it to the county mayor's office, asking them to recognize June as LGBTQ pride month in severe County. Um, we did that last month in April and, the steering committee that sets the agenda for the county commission meetings refused to acknowledge it or put it on the agenda to be voted on. So they couldn't discuss it or vote on it during the meeting, but that didn't stop us from showing up and speaking during the public comment section. Right. And uh, as you can imagine, that raised some concerns with some of the people of your County. Like, how did they let all these queer people in this courtroom? We didn't even know. They looked just like us.
1: Right. We're not all mutants with that look like lizards. Like right. We're actual people.
3: So they heard us. They heard our arguments of why we think we should have Pride Month in Sphere County. And um, we set our piece. And then the next day, we resubmitted the proclamation to uh, be considered for the next month. I love it. Which is this month. So on May 15th, we're going to show back up and speak during public comment again because... Yesterday, was the steering committee meeting, and they, again, refused to put the proclamation through to be an agenda item. So, the petition is just supporting the adoption of the proclamation by the county commission, but we'll never get the chance for them to vote on it if they don't put it through. So, we have organized a rally uh, right before the county commission meeting, so... Um, May 15th at 4.15 p.m., we will be outside the county commission um, or the Sevier County Courthouse meeting at the Dolly statue uh, with our flags and our um, posters and everything just in support of getting the proclamation recognized. That's That's
0: incredible. Honestly.
3: It's been an uphill battle, but we're not backing down.
0: Right. So you, I could be wrong, but have you recently merged with Appalachian Outreach? Is that what what's happened?
3: So about a year ago, I joined the board of directors of Appalachian Outreach. Um, I thought that their mission was very similar to my own. Um, they're extremely grassroots and they do a lot of like community work, like working directly with people who are in the most vulnerable populations of the community. So people who are homeless or in crisis situations or in need of some kind of, um, help with like paying their utility bills or they're about to be evicted or they need food or transportation or something like that. Um, we are like kind of on the front line and and help them directly with those needs.
0: I actually have been the recipient of some help from Appalachian Outreach a little over a year ago. I was hospitalized and I needed, I needed help getting new glasses because I, um, had, I was found out I was diabetic in the worst way possible, which was being hospitalized with like 300 blood sugar. Oh, and wow. so it it drastically affected my vision. And Appalachian Outreach helped me get some new glasses, which I've always been very appreciative of.
3: Well, we're here for the community and anything like that. If somebody has something, please come to us, reach out, and we'll do everything we can to either solve that need or connect you with a resource that can
0: they're great they're a great team of people and absolutely you're great for being
1: I
3: feel very involved with that for sure to be with those people
1: and so when it comes to being involved with activism as you are and as as we are what would you say to you know the younger generation or the youth that would like to get involved with activism?
3: I Have a few things to say about that. Um, the first thing is, I do not envy you if you're coming into this right now, um, because it is not an easy time to be starting out. Yeah, um, just because of the polarization of our country, like it's very divided. Um, we have all these anti LGBTQ plus bills and laws, especially here in Tennessee. And it's, frankly, a frightening time to be um, one of those people who are affected by those laws. Yeah. And also, uh, what am I? I guess I'm Gen Z, the generation after, so Gen Alpha. I feel bad for them because a lot of them went through, like, their last years of high school and some college during pandemic times where everything was completely disrupted, and they didn't get a chance to, like, finish their childhood or yeah. like be kids because all this scary stuff started happening and it just you know compiled and it was just like a hard time um but like also those people give me hope and I don't mean to be one of those people who like because I, I feel like we put a lot of pressure on young people
1: yeah to I like
3: agree. solve our problems like oh I have hope for the next generation like we can just hand off this issue and they'll solve it it's not you know, I can't, I've done all I can do and I'm tired. So it's your turn now. But I feel like we shouldn't wait for young people to save us. I feel like we all need to save us.
1: I agree. And like, I mean, to your point, these people are like, you know, the older generations that are in office now, they're like, you know, we'll let the, the kids handle it. We'll let the younger yeah. people handle it. It's like, we'll, Get out of office, (laughs) and then and then we can handle it. Stuff
3: aside, right?
1: That's the thing. Thank God
3: for term limits.
0: we, We can't do anything. Some people don't. I'm I'm somebody who didn't care or pay attention until later in life. Not until really I got into my 40s, but I recently have been yelling this into the universe. Like there are so many people. There there are so many states who are now trying to lower the. Legal age to buy a gun to 16. And I just think instead of, yeah, it's terrifying. But instead of lowering the age to procure a gun, why don't we lower the age for voting? I would love it if we let 16 and 17 year olds vote. I think it would change quite a bit. Yeah.
3: If they would turn out, yeah, that'd be awesome. Do you think they would? I think my generation and the generations that come after are doing a lot of good. And I feel like they're, socially conscious of things that generations prior to them maybe not had had thought so much about I feel like we are going in a good direction and we're thinking more about our social impact and our environmental impact and I see them being better and I want them to be better and I want them to be even better than they are Um, especially people who have privilege who grew up in you know they they didn't have so many strikes against them and i want to see them use that privilege to amplify voices that haven't historically been represented as much Um, so this goes back to like what you were saying earlier i do want to see more fat representation and more um, black brown and indigenous people of color representation and immigrant representation and uh, poor representation i want to see all of that, yeah. and I want to see us lifting up those voices because a lot of activism, yes, it's speaking out, but also knowing when to listen.
1: I I swear. <laughs> I, I, I like how you say that you wish the youth would be more out there and that you know they would be more involved, but honestly, from talking with a lot of the youth here lately, they y'all have your heads on right. I and mean, yeah. I love it. Like you're super confident and like you all want to make a change and you're doing more than a lot of other people aren't doing. And it's it's so refreshing to see the younger generation to be more involved and to make their voices louder. And I mean, I think ever like you are doing a fantastic job with Appalachian outreach you are doing a fantastic job just being who you are and it's it's refreshing to see this
0: I think it comes with it comes with people standing in their power and with people you know when I was 19 20 21 years old I didn't care about politics because politics didn't care about me yeah and I didn't there wasn't representation for me and we didn't have things like we had the internet, but it was like very early internet and we didn't have things like social media. And I didn't, there wasn't this opportunity for me to see the rest of the world from here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so I kind of like got in this headspace that it didn't matter. And I stayed in that headspace for way longer than I needed to, but I'm there now.
3: (laughs) I'm I'm so glad you're here now. And, uh, anybody at, at any age can, make a change and make a difference and start somewhere
0: yes what do you want the audience to know about you
3: so first of all a lot of people might not know this but I am autistic I'm on the autism spectrum and I was diagnosed with autism and dyslexia around this time last year so I'm still kind of grappling with that and trying to navigate the world um, knowing that I'm a neurodivergent and also newly queer person (laughs) I mean, I've been lifelong both of those things, but I just now found out. Right.
0: I spent most of my life thinking that I was dyslexic. But for me, it's not letters, it's numbers. And that is called something different. I don't remember what it's called because I also have ADD. But it's called something different and I'm not actually dyslexic.
1: So how has that affected you since being diagnosed or being more relevant of uh, being neurodivergent, um, how has that affected you since, you know, kind of finding all that out?
3: Uh, I feel like it's made my whole life make sense. Yeah. The best way that I can explain it to people is that like when I was a kid and I would try to interact with other kids, I didn't feel like like I was a human like them. I felt like I was a space alien and like I was trying to imitate a human being. Yeah. I was like, why do I feel like I'm from a different planet? Like, I can't talk to these people or, you know, I just I didn't feel like I fit in. And like, I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they fit in. But for yeah. me, it was like a different level. and I didn't know why. And when I found out, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense.
0: That's how I felt when I came to the realization that I was Envy. And I and I was like, oh, this makes so mu- this makes so much of my life make sense. Like even down to the fact that I've told this story before. The first two s- CDs I ever owned were The Indigo Girls and The Grease soundtrack, and I feel like that's the most non-binary thing ever. And that was when I was like 14 years old. But there just weren't. I mean, I think the terms existed back then. I don't know how how long those terms have been around, but. I didn't know what they were because again, it was the nineties, no internet, no, you know, like it hadn't, the word hadn't gotten to Knoxville, Tennessee, that these, these terms existed. But I do, I remember like realizing that I was non-binary and then thinking, oh my God, that explains so much.
3: (laughs) It it really is amazing and, and extremely empowering when you find out that there is language available for an experience that you've been having your entire life. Yes. And like through music, you said. Um I always was a fan of Prince. Um my dad's a big fan of Prince, so I listened to a lot of Prince when I was younger. Um and I was listening to a song and he said or they said. I don't know what Prince's pronouns are. We can't ask. Um <laughs> Right. I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, I'm something that you'll never understand. Yeah. And that really resonated with me not knowing that it was okay to, like, not be one of those things. Yeah. Um. So I think I've only been socially out as non-binary for, like, a year or maybe two years. But it was, like, the same experience that you had. It was like, oh, yeah, this yeah. makes a lot of sense.
0: I like to look at people, historical people, musicians, people that aren't around anymore, that were around pre-these terms. Yeah. And yes. I think, like... Like I never thought about Prince, but yeah, Prince was non-binary as hell. Oh, <laughs> like you know, like I love to look at at things like that and be like, it's kind of sad because you think this person didn't get to be their true self before they passed away, but maybe they did in their own way. You in know, their own but way, like yeah. maybe that should be a segment on the podcast, like non-binary or. I don't know. Well, I feel like that's what <laughs> this whole episode is. This uh, this is this is definitely the most like trans non-binary episode we've ever had. Oh, another which qu- is really thing exciting. That I had written
3: down that I wanted to share was that I'm transgender. Um, so, I guess a lot of people don't know that about me because I can I don't like to use the term pass because I know it's outdated, but I don't mm-hmm. know what the most updated terminology is. But I can uh, appear as a cisgender female and a lot of people just assume that's what i am and that i use uh she her pronouns but i don't um
0: he him pronouns
3: well i use they them pronouns okay but if you call me he him that's fine too um i, I wouldn't be offended by being mistaken by for a man because yeah men are great
0: i i um they them he him you, you i've got to you got to be pretty comfortable with me to throw a girl my way or mm. a ma'am my way but no. <laughs>
3: Yeah, definitely. I remember uh, I think the, f- the first gender affirming thing I ever did was the day after I graduated from high school. I chopped off 13 inches of my hair. Wow. And um, I got all this pushback from people in my circle that were like, why on earth would you ever do this? Like a woman's hair is her glory. And um, you need to grow your hair back out and be the woman that God made you to be. And I was like, you're not interested <laughs> in either one of those things. Actually, the first hairdresser I went to and asked if they would do that, she said, no, I'm not cutting your hair like that. You're not going to look good like that. And I didn't I finally found somebody that would do it. And, and I didn't realize that it was like gender affirmation. But as soon as I did it, I was like, I feel like more me than I've ever been in my whole life.
1: And that's great. It's it's this it's honestly I was going to say the small things, but you chopped off 13 inches of hair. Right. But yeah. still,
0: did you donate it?
3: I did, yeah, to wigs for kids.
0: Good, love that. See, for me, like I, um, I have to be careful with what I choose to do to my physical appearance because I will like feel super mask for a while, and I'll cut all my hair off, and then three weeks later, I'm like, why did I cut all my hair off? You know, like,
3: uh, um, I mean, I've had two gender affirming surgeries, so it's like, I, I'm, I pretty much knew myself, yeah. Uh, Going into it, uh, but like I would never get like the Mike Tyson face tattoo or anything like that.
1: Right. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like that's having a face tattoo. That that's a little far. I mean, that's not my Matt. Don't alienate anybody in our
3: audience. You no, don't. No, you no, don't no. know who's listening that <laughs> no, has a face tattoo. No.
1: Mike Tyson, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. Please <laughs> not show up to my house. But what I was saying is like you know, that's I would never do that to like my body, but to somebody else, that's you know, an affirmation for them. So, like, that, you know, kudos, hats off to you.
3: I love seeing stuff like that. And I love seeing people being visibly queer because it gives people permission to also be themselves. Like, when you see somebody just being themselves un- unapologetically. Um, I, I did not see that growing up. I did not know that queer was a thing because I didn't know any outwardly queer people or people that didn't look cisgender. But... Just look as queer as possible because some small queer child is looking up to you and thinking that you're a badass. I love that. I agree.
0: And now you're creating those spaces for people to discover those things about themselves, which is incredible.
3: Yes. We're learning together and I hope they're learning (laughs) along with me because I'm learning every day.
0: It took about, I worked at South Press when she opened the big shop for a while And it took about three days of me working at South Press before I was just like exploring every inch of my of myself, you know, and like it's because it was the environment. I talked about this actually in our last episode because we interviewed Jocelyn, but she created this environment that makes people it makes it so easy for people to be themselves. And I was allowed to come to work every day. In whatever I wanted to wear. So I really got to explore my fashion. I She didn't care what my hair looked like. Uh, you know, like, I did. I really, really got to.
3: That's such a beautiful thing. Um, I think that I saw somewhere, like, the loudest way to love someone is to let them be their full self. Bring their authentic self.
0: I
1: love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, when I started dating John and Dustin, like my prior relationship was toxic. Um, and when I would when I was started dating them, I got to express myself more queerly and I loved it. Like I started painting my nails and I felt like, I felt invincible. I was like, I, here I am walking around with my nails painted navy blue. Do not
0: mess with me, baby. Couldn't tell me nothing,
1: and I I loved it. And it made me feel more liberated. Like it's the people who you interact with. Like even you two, my best friends. Honestly, like it's it's incredible that people that come into your life can drastically change it for the better. And it has been beautiful ever since.
3: That is beautiful.
0: When I started working at South Press, I was a gay man in his 40s. And when I stopped working at South Press, the only thing that was still true was that I was in my 40s. (laughs) Like, I'd realized I was non binary. I realized that I was, in fact, pansexual and not gay. And, like, but that's like the beauty of, like you said, like seeing other people and being inspired by them. Because, I mean, that was. 25 years of my life i thought i was a gay man and and then i went to work at south press for 10 minutes and i was like oh everything i thought about myself is wrong That,
3: that really resonates with me because um i always assumed that i was like straight i thought you know growing up like i'm straight you know obviously i'm attracted to men because that's just what you do and i tried like um I would just want to apologize to anybody that I went on a first date with because we never made it to the second date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, well, this is like not working. I must be doing this wrong. I just got to keep at it and be persistent and everything. And then um, I was in my 20s, again, in my 20s, a lot of self-discovery. I found out that like uh, asexual people exist and that um, s- some people just don't experience sexual attraction. That had never occurred to me before. I always thought that I was like, broken or wrong or just like not trying hard enough but um yeah it was like that for me i I spent like 13 minutes on tumblr and i was like oh (laughs) all right i mean you nobody should have to get all their information from tumblr like there should be more access to information widely available for young people like we need queer education in schools yes we need to be able to say gay Yes. (laughs)
1: Right. Like, there's no need to ban a book just because it talks about queer people or queer children. Because
0: we exist and we will always exist. So, it's funny that you talked about figuring out about, like, being asexual and things like that. Because the last question that we have for you is about your recent marriage. (laughs) And I am dying to hear about it. So, please tell us more.
3: Okay. So, on April 8th, I got married to myself Um, I got I got engaged to myself in 2020 Um, this was also during the height of the pandemic when I was doing nothing but spending every waking moment on my phone or some type of technology and like doom scrolling but I did come across this really cool article of this woman who uh, as like a a, an act of self-love married herself and she had a celebration with all her friends and family and She had a ceremony and then they celebrated, um, they just went through the streets of her neighborhood with a flash mob. And I thought, Oh, that looks like so much fun. And, uh, I read more articles about like these other really cool, uh, people who did it in an act of protest that were like telling, you know, their families that they didn't want to be in an arranged marriage. They were like, no, I'm just going to marry myself instead. And I thought, wow, that's like a really cool thing. And, uh, growing up, like I always envisioned myself having a wedding, but never a marriage. And I thought like, life is really short. And if you want to do a thing, you should just do it. And we shouldn't just have to celebrate our lives at funerals, because, well, one, you're not going to be around to enjoy it or like see people, but it's just a great excuse to like get dressed up and have a good time. So I thought, I'm just gonna do it. So I got engaged to myself. And then With the help of some friends and family, uh, they helped me put together a ceremony and a reception and um, paying tribute to that original article that I found. We also did a flash mob, which was super fun. And uh, people, I got mixed reactions. Some people thought it was cool. Some people thought it was like, Wow, that's really narcissistic that you love yourself that much that you would marry yourself.
0: Well, and, that's silly because we should all love ourselves yeah, that much. Yeah. For
3: me, it's like I don't always have self love. And for like, it's been a long time coming, like self discovery and all the stuff that I've been through. Like, it is hard to love yourself. But for me, it was like there are so many different kinds of love and so many different kinds of relationships that should be recognized as equal as other like heteronormative relationships. In in my ceremony, um, the person who performed it, my family from New Orleans wrote this really beautiful ceremony, and it talked about recognizing different kinds of love, like there isn't just love between one man and one woman, I mean, there's partnerships that have multiple partners, you know, three or four or five or two, or why not just one? And uh, yeah, it was just, it was a really beautiful thing. And and what we focus on was like love and you can be alone and not lonely because I'm constantly surrounded by people who are loving and who I love and and love me back, like my community and my family and my friends. Like, I don't feel like I go without because I don't have a partnership. I feel like we place so much um, weight in like, and so much pressure in, you know, finding Finding the love of your life when you could just find the love of your life. Just love your life.
0: That is inspiring. I know. That was
1: so beautiful. And then, second motion: um, happy one-month anniversary. Yeah. Thank you so much. Today is May 9th and we're recording this. So it
0: was your hey. one-month anniversary yesterday. What a cool
1: way to celebrate. I
0: know. Thank I you
1: love
0: all. this. Well, I think that I might get married to myself. You should. You probably owe an apology to my friends because I will have a gift registry and it will be expensive things. So. As long as I get an invite. <laughs> yes, of oh, course.
1: That'd be so, th- that is something that you should look into. That'd be really cool.
0: To marry myself?
1: Yeah. I'd Why marry not? myself
0: if I wasn't. If you didn't already find people, if who already you. didn't get married to two dudes, mm, yeah. so much love for Matt. <laughs> He's
1: perfect. We if got.
3: If straight people or partnered people of, you know, any sexual orientation can get married multiple times and divorce multiple times, you can have a solo and a trio wedding. Whatever That's you true.
1: want. true. Write
0: it down. Let's do this. <laughs>
1: We're
3: pioneers. We're paving the way. Pioneer
1: queers is what we yeah. are. Pioneer <laughs> queers.
0: <laughs> Winter, thank you so much for being here in the studio with us today. We really appreciate it. I didn't really know you very well before this, so it was really good to get to know you a little bit.
3: You as well. Thank you so much, for all of you, for having me. Yeah, of and course. Can I just say how much of a big fan I am of not only this podcast, which I am a big fan, but also Knox Pride, like the work it does in the community, and it's been extremely influential in me and my like organizing style and just how I view like the hope of there are queer people here we can connect them we can create the community that we want to see like you've been a huge inspiration to me. We'll thank you. Oh my god. That that just made me feel all warm
0: inside. Mm-hmm. You guys should check out Appalachian Outreach and the Severe LGBTQIA+ group both on Facebook, right?
3: Yes, Facebook, Instagram, we have websites. We're all over the place.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you Winter. Thank you. Hey, James, can you
1: hand me that microphone cord on the bottom shelf? I sure can.
0: Oh, no. I ripped a huge hole in my pants. Well, that's embarrassing. What am I going to do, Matt? I wish there was somewhere I could find reasonably priced work clothes in a pinch. Haven't you heard of the Knox Pride Thriftique? I haven't.
1: What's that? The Knox Pride Thriftique offers unique vintage finds and your everyday clothing and accessory needs. Plus, every dollar spent helps fund programs at Knox Pride. That sounds pretty great, Matt. What are their hours? The Knox Pride Thrift Peak is open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Stop in or visit KnoxPride.com for more information. Hey,
0: James. Yes, Matt? And you know what time it's for? Pew 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 pew. Calendar time. Yes. On May 20th, we've got Knox Pride Volunteer Days from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We also have Knox Pride presents the Trans NB Support Group from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. and also the KQYA Young Adult Meetup from 5:30 p.m. to 8 p.m. The Knox Pride Center
1: will be closed May 27th through May 29th for Memorial Day weekend. But on May the 30th, we have Knox Pride Presents TTRPG's One Shot with Story from 5 to 9 p.m.
0: Moving into June, on the 2nd, we've got Knox Pride Presents the 3rd Annual Zoo Night from 5
1: to 9 p.m. On June the 3rd, we have Knox Pride Volunteer Days from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Also, we have Knox Pride Presents Trans NB Support Group from 1 to 3. And we have the One Knox Soccer Game Benefit for Knox Pride from 5 to 7 p.m.
0: On the 4th of June, we've got the Knox Pride Monthly Market from 12 to 4 p.m. And this is the special Pride edition. And also that evening, uh, we've got Pride Movie Night in Sam Duff Park from 5 to 8 p.m. And as always, for more information on these events and more, you can visit knoxpride.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Knox Pride podcast. Um, I do want to remind you that we would appreciate rating and reviewing of this podcast especially if you're listening on Apple. Those numbers really count. And also, I want to remind you guys that we would love for this to be as listener-driven as possible. So if you have any insights, any questions, any ideas of seg- for segments, guests, anything like that, uh, please email podcast at knoxpride.com. We would love to hear from you.
1: James, it was an honor recording with you today. Yes,
0: thank you for being here in the studio. And thank you, J.D., as always. And until next time... We see you. We hear you. And we we love love you. You.
1: Knox Pride Podcast is produced by J.D. Davis, Matt Navarro-Camp, and James Owens with recording and engineering by J.D. Davis.
0: Knox Pride Podcast is a community-driven effort. And we need your help. Please email us at podcast at KnoxPride.com with any questions, ideas for guests, or suggestions on content. And don't forget to follow us at Knox
1: Pride Podcast on Instagram
0: and TikTok. Knox Pride Podcast is brought to you by Knox Pride Network with funding from the United Way. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers
3: and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Knox Pride.